Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Labor 12th, the capture of the red cattle of Geryon. Within the sacred council chamber, the great presiding one revealed unto the teacher the will of what must be. Lost he is, and found, dead, yet vibrant with life. The server becomes the savior and homewards turns. The teacher pondered, then he called for Hercules. Before the last gate now you stand, the teacher said. One labor yet remains before the circle is complete, and liberation is attained. Proceed to that dark place called Erythia, where great illusion is enthroned, where Geryon, the monster of three heads, three bodies, and six hands, is lord and king. Unlawfully he holds a herd of dark red cattle. From Erythia to our sacred city must you drive this herd. Beware of Eurytion, the shepherd and his two-headed dog, Orthrus. He paused. One caution I can give, he added slowly. Invoke the aid of Helios. Through gate the twelfth, the son of man, who was also the son of God, departed in search of Geryon, he went. Within the temple, Hercules made offerings to Helios, the god of fire in the sun. For seven days he meditated, and then a favor was bestowed on him. A golden chalice fell upon the ground before his feet. He knew within himself that this bright object would enable him to cross the seas to reach the land of Erythia. And so it was. Within the safe protection of the golden chalice, he sailed across the tossing seas until he came to Erythia. Upon a strand in the far, far country, Hercules debarked. Not long thereafter, he came upon the pasture land where the red-hued cattle grazed. Guarded were they by the shepherd Eurytion and the double-headed dog Orthrus. When Hercules approached, the dog sped forward like an arrow to its target. Upon the visitor, the creature hurled itself, snarling viciously, and bared fangs fiercely snapping. With one decisive blow did Hercules lay the monster low. Then Eurytion, fearful of the brave warrior who stood before him, supplicated that his life to be spared. Hercules conceded his request. Driving the blood-red cattle before him, Hercules turned his face toward the sacred city. Not far had he gone when he perceived a distant cloud of dust that rapidly grew larger. Submersing that the monster Geryon had come in mad pursuit, he turned to face his foe. Soon, Geryon and Hercules stood face to face. Breathing fire and flame from all three heads at once, the monster came upon him. Geryon hurled a spear at Hercules that almost hit its mark. Stepping agilely aside, Hercules evaded the deadly shaft. 
stretching taut his bow, Hercules left fly an arrow that seemed to burn the air as he released it, and struck the monster squarely in the side. With such great impetus had it been shot that all three bodies of fierce Geryon were pierced. With a shrill, despairing groan, the monster swayed, then fell, never more to rise. Toward the sacred city, then, Hercules drove the sleek red cattle. Difficult was the task. Again and yet again, some cattle strayed and Hercules would leave the herd in search of errant wanderers. Across the Alps, he drove his cattle into Italy. Wherever wrong had triumphed, he dealt the powers of evil a deadly blow and right the balance of favor of justice. When Eryx, the wrestler, challenged him, Hercules cast him down so forcefully that there he stayed. Again, when the giant Aclinius threw a rock that weighed a ton at Hercules, the latter caught it on his club and hurled it back to kill the one who sent it forth. At times he lost his way, but always Hercules turned back, retraced his steps, and journeyed on. Through wearied by this most exciting labor, Hercules at last returned. The teacher awaited his coming. Welcome, O son of God, who is also a son of man, he greeted the returning warrior. The jewel of immortality is yours. By these twelve labors have you overcome the human and put on the divine. Home have you come, no more to leave. Upon the starry firmament your name shall be inscribed, a symbol to the struggling sons of men of their immortal destiny. The human labors ended. Your cosmic task began. From out the council chamber came a voice that said, Well done, O son of God. Welcome to the Night Self Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. I'm Eduardo. And it's good to see you this morning, my friend. And, um, you know, very excited to talk to you. I know that we've had a couple of days to think about how we wanted to start this final uh, chapter of the labors of Hercules, um, which is so crazy to think that it's been a whole year that we've talked about, you know, each sign, but also its significance within the story and the breakdown and this set of all the stories that we've talked about. And there's a, there's a few out there actually that kind of came to mind within the labors of Hercules related to the zodiac signs that were sort of vague. But yesterday when you told me that this is a very vague story, and I, I was glad to hear you say that because there's so much to unravel and there's so much to break down, but there's also... Um, the story itself is very straight to the point. I'm not sure if you heard of the narration prior to, but definitely, you know, there's some there's some room for interpretation, like always. Um, and so it really kind of solidifies how this was written and why the interpretation of each zodiac has its, you know, meaning based on not just the labor, but also what we know about our our journey through the wheel and so i'm excited to talk about pisces because it has also that sort of um that not that energy to it but that sort of significance to it for from our perspectives or from our um understanding of the breakdown because we've done so many uh, we've had so many discussions on each labor and then the breakdown of the sign and to finally come to an end there's just like a lot that i know we can sort of conclude um you know, from, from everything we've learned. And so 
I will let you take it away, man. Um, there's a lot that I know uh, we want to cover in this first one, and I know there's going to be way more to cover when we actually break down the signs. So let's go. Yeah, absolutely. And Pisces, when we approach Pisces in the study of astrology, it is the most vague of the signs. We spoke about when we were breaking down Capricorn that it's a very mysterious sign, but it's mysterious in a different kind of aspect. Capricorn was mysterious because not a lot of people go in depth with the depthness that's contained within Capricorn Mm. and really look at its fundamental esoteric aspects. Where Pisces, the vagueness, as much as you explore and as deep as you go with Pisces, there's still not a lot of clarity. It's a nonlinear sign. It's it's a sign that's in between time. It's mm. an in between space as well. It's you know it's within and it's without. It's kind of what we kind of call the in between. Mm-hmm. Pisces, when you're even looking at the twelfth house of the zodiac, when you're looking at natal charts, the twelfth house doesn't only tell us about how we end like the latter years of our life, like after your third Saturn returns. It will talk about your dreamscape. But it also talks about the gestation period when you were with inside your mother. And so it's kind of this alpha omega sign. And so it's very, very unique in in regards to it's beyond words. Okay. You know, um, you can't really collapse the idea of Pisces in the spoken word, nor the written word. And so if we really wanted to do Pisces justice, we probably should just be silent for the next hour and a half. Right. And just not say a thing. And mm-hmm. that would actually be the best way to describe Pisces. It's it's very unique. That's interesting. You know, and, and even when you look at the Last Supper, we've used the Last Supper as kind of a, you know, as a median to understand these zodiac signs as we've gone from left to right of the 12 disciples with Jesus in the middle. If you look at Pisces at the end, he's not saying anything. His, You know, you have Capricorn and Aquarius right there philosophizing, like, you know, thinking about the future, complex ideas, where Pisces closes the circuit, and he just has his hands up. And that's what you kind of find with Pisces. You get all the way to the end, Mm. and you realize it was all right here. It was all in front of me. You know, Capricorn and Aquarius, they're, they're really upset because they think that their prophet is going to get killed. And Pisces is just there with his hands up, and he's like, don't you see? The son of the God is at the table with us right here. It's all right in front of you. Interesting. And, and that's what we kind of learn with Pisces. And Pisces is a unique sign because it's, it's an accumulation of all the signs that came before it. So if you have a strong Pisces placement, as we were going through the labors of Hercules, it might have been confusing because every labor that we went through, you were like, that's me. Oh, wait, no, that's me. No, this is me. It's because it contains all of them. Right. And so it's not only is it this containment of all of these energies, it's the omega and the alpha. It's, you know, it's the sleep we go to when we go through the process of death. And it's also the sleep when we were in the womb getting ready for the next life. It, it embodies everything. And right. so it's this, not only is it nonlinear, but it's non-personal. And so there's not even like a personal attachment that Pisces have with it. It's like they're they're in between this and what comes next. Right. Um, they're always kind of in that mystical approach. And 
with this, we're going to see a high capacity for you know psychic exploration, intuition, you know, amazing artists and innovative thinkers come out of Pisces. Right. But because of that not truly being here, we also see addiction. We see depression. All of this idea of like not being able to even identify with the self is something that the Pisces kind of encounters. And Pisces is, it's a whirlwind of energies. Totally. It's, it's the sea it, that we find ourselves in. And so Pisces are so receptive of not only their own personal energies, but the energies of the entire world outside of them. Right. And that's going to be something that we're going to kind of see Hercules, you know, face in this 12th zodiac sign. But it really is this, this unique accumulation of everything that's come before. And it's kind of like that process of, you know how we go to when we die? It's like an idea of going to sleep and waking up into the next life. Mm. And same process of what brought us here. You know, the Pisces almost represents the pineal gland, where the soul enters the body, as well as when the soul is going to leave the body. And so it's, it's hard to place. Mm. It's hard to kind of put our fingers on it. And that's kind of why this, this labor is written in a way that's, that's almost non-personal. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I like the way you covered all of that just because, you know, I, I guess I said, I think we're going to repeat ourselves with the second breakdown of Pisces with a lot of these, um, you know, breakdowns. But one of the things you said about it's, you know, the, the counterpart to Pisces, where or not the counterpart, but the opposite of what could occur with this absorption, because it is a water sign and it's a mutable sign. And, you know, taking in all that and absorbing all of the other energies, if you were to hear or understand the entire um, journey that Hercules just went through and all 12 signs and nothing came of it, well, then you just went through a series of trauma. If there was no victories that were, you know, seen towards the end of each labor, then you just went through 11 very trialing, you know, a trial period of just like, ups and downs with a lot of um you know just a lot of disappointment if you didn't succeed each mm -hmm. one you know and in this case obviously hercules or mankind has been into every house and has been able to gain the wisdom of each you know labor each um period and each energy that comes with each house or each sign and i think that um towards this end period that's sort of the summation or the summary of where Hercules or mankind stands, you know, it's like you were able to absorb all 12, but you're also able to interpret a piece of each to make you evolve or help you evolve, as we always say to the next octave. And I think that's what's fascinating about how the story was written is that, you know, it gave us the opportunity to feel the gain of each sign and each labor that Hercules went through. And for that, we are able to move on to the next. But I think if you didn't have an understanding of what, you know, each labor encountered, if you were Hercules, metaphorically speaking, um, well, then you would just kind of be absorbing the, this trauma for each labor, you know, coming towards an end and, and finding yourself um, very, 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 very low, you know, mm -hmm. with a lot of weight that sort of sinks you down. And I know that we're going to bring that up a lot with Pisces on people who don't know how to take on all these energies at the same time, you know, and, and because of that, they end up falling into maybe habits of addiction or maybe nothing 
positive comes from having so many attributes happening all at one time. You know, mm -hmm. I think that could definitely have um, detrimental effects on an individual who doesn't put that to good use. And yeah. so, again, with Hercules, we obviously see that for every, you know, step he took, he was able to succeed onto the next. And so here we are at the very end. And I like what you said about the, um, about the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great, great way to present that that energy of everybody sort of concerned with the world savior um you know having to sacrifice himself and have having to you know pass on physically to, and, and spiritually onto the other side but having pisces just kind of saying look like this is what it's all about mm -hmm. this is what it's always been about um and so I, I definitely want to get into that, whether it's in this episode or the next episode, because that is very interesting to to hear you say that. So, well, yeah, and you know, it's it's so interesting because when you think about the Last Supper, and you look on the far left and you see Aries, there's this eagerness to go headfirst into life and mm -hmm. need to it wants to obtain experiences so it ultimately can connect wisdom, collect wisdom. And as you kind of go through all of the disciples and you make your way, you see this gaining of this ultimate wisdom. Mm -hmm. And Pisces is that moment when, you know, you, you think you have to go on these pilgrimages. You think you we have to go to these medicine retreats. We think we have to do these things which are so good for your spiritual development, right? Going on these adventures. But you get into that the end of your yoga class, you get to the end of like a, a sacred weekend dealing with medicine, um, you know, deep esoteric study. And there's that moment that, oh, oh dear, it's always been right here. Right. There was, I didn't need to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. It was always within, the Christ was within. And that's what we find with Pisces. It, it was it was just it was right here right. it was always right in front of me and i just didn't see it and so within pisces it really is this alpha omega it's the ending of one cycle and it's the womb of what comes next and so this is often the point of when we are getting ready to take a step to the next octave and it kind of is a is this unique kind of murkiness that mm. we kind of see with the waters of pisces but it's to give birth to something new right. that Aries is going to retake over. Because remember, this cycle and this circle is sepraternal. It's going to keep going over and over again. You're not just at one stage and you're done. You make your way back, but you're a new individual. You know, like that idea, no individual steps into the same river. Not only is it a different river, but it's a different person. And that's what we kind of see here. And it's that preparation for the gestation for what the next adventure is mm -hmm. and what the next process of growth is going to be to further our unfoldment. And so it really is this, this unique period. And Pisces also marks the idea of connecting to collective energies. So we were thinking about the other water signs, right? Which was like the fourth, the eighth, and the twelfth. So the fourth was Cancer, and that's like the birth of life. Mm -hmm. We have Scorpio, where we learned about spiritual death and rebirth. Well, the twelfth house deals with cycles as well. If the first, fourth house is like the cycles and patterns of early childhood, the eighth house is cycles and patterns that we create as an adult. The twelfth house is collective cycles and patterns. This is the archetypal realm. Mm -hmm. It 
doesn't make much sense. There's no personal connection with a lot of these energies because they're collective. This is what you know Jungian psychology looks at as like the anima and the animus. Well, that anima and animus energy, when you approach it, is confusing because it's not a personal trauma you're going through. It's a collective experience that the universe is, as a as a whole, is evolving through. And so, you know, it's easier when we're going through, when we're looking at cycles and patterns as like our childhood of looking at, you know, traumas or, in a, you know, relationships we made with things that weren't completely appropriate to truth and we have to like realign our relationship with the experience well the 12th house is foreign it doesn't have to be personal to you Mm. this could be the collective energies of all of humanity this could be energy that's within your bloodline that you're actually helping to solve and heal heal past incarnations of like your blood tribe it's it's not personal. You can't like linearly point to it. Like this is where the trauma was and this is what I'm healing. So there's like this foreign aspect about it because, Mm. and it can be very, it can sweep you away. Um, And we, we start to see this like sweeping away of the collective. And I think that that's a unique theme to take on when you approach the story. Everything in this story attacks Hercules. Yeah. Where, you know, in the past stories, Hercules would be on the offensive and he would make the first move to make, he would see the thing he was supposed to overcome and he would make the move first. It was like he made the first chess move. Well, in this one, we're not the white pieces of chess that goes first, we're the black pieces. So we have to wait for the move to come and he's responding to it. Well, this is what Pisces is. How do you respond to the collective energies of what's happening in the aggregate? How do we respond to what's happening in, you know, on the TV? How do we respond to the, you know, the spiritual evolution and growth of, you know, the individuals around us? Mm-hmm. It's it's monumental, you know, and you can definitely, you know, water is that unique thing that can be very refreshing and replenishing, but it can also drown you. And and unfortunately, a lot of Pisces feel that feeling of drowning. And again, we all have Pisces somewhere in our zodiac. And this is where you really feel the collective energies in this like very heightened, sensitive awareness. Right. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I liked your your analogy to the chessboard, just because you're absolutely right. In this case, he has to wait for the challenge to approach rather than strategically, you know, always thinking about or being one step ahead, you know, right now you have the knowledge of everything that's occurred. How are you going to respond to all of this coming to you? And so that was some of the questions I had about, and I think the way you placed that, and I hope the same for the listeners with that analogy of the chessboard really kind of helps me um, put this all into, into not necessarily perspective, but almost into a category that is able to be digestible based on everything we've learned thus far. Because, you know, uh, if I may, in the, in the beginning of the myth, and I know you guys already probably heard this, but the quote that I like here, which says, lost he is and found, dead yet vibrant with life, the server becomes the savior and homeward turns. And right away, they're kind of just letting you know every, everything that you sort of spoke about just now. So I think, you know, you did a beautiful job at sort of, not sort of, but to actually bring that to light. Just because, you know, 
I think the knowledge of knowing that this is the end, but there's a new beginning, um, can sort of not, not perplex someone, but sort of make you go, well, what's next now? Or what is next? You know, I mean, did I really learn everything? You can kind of probably fall into a thought process of, was it enough? Were the lessons enough for me to take on the next octave? And based on how he handles this last labor, you see that he has, you know, come to that, that crossroad, but also has no doubt in his mind on how to approach this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, fascinating, man. Yeah. And you know, Pisces is representative of the two fish, you know, it's kind of, we'll talk about it later, how it represents the two feet. Right. right. And the, like the lymphatic system of how we move water through our body. But with the two fish, we really come to this understanding of life is two sides of a coin here. Mm. In this process of, you know, incarnating in this five sense reality, there's duality. And now we're trying to get to that wholeness and see the complete picture. But you can't have life without death. Mm-hmm. You can't have light without darkness. You know, it's so we really start to see that component that you need both of these aspects. You know, we talked about it even in the process of alchemy. There's things in this life that we need to be assertive and dominate, and there's things that we need to surrender to. It's it's this unique balance that comes in between. And this is more of that idea of like becoming a gray and not being one too one-sided to the other. And that's gonna be, you know, it's it's, it's quite the lesson because, you know, when even when we kind of get into spirituality, there is that moment where we jump into it and everything is love, light, rainbows, and cupcakes, right? right. Um, but then you realize that, oh no, there's there's a process of my shadow. Right. You know, there is there is darkness here. There is processes of, you know, things need to die for life to continue on. In and that's what we really see here. And, you know, we've always kind of talked about, you know, life and death will happen, but what's eternal? And and that's also what we kind of learn in Pisces is, is what is eternal? What does not go back into the box? Yes. And what stays and what sustains? And and that's where Hercules is, is going to kind of find himself. And it's really in this role of, you know, in Pisces, we finalize the idea that we are all one. And so we can't leave anybody behind in this process. Mm -hmm. And so as we go through the personal, our own personal, you know, saving of our soul and connecting to that process of enlightenment, well, now we kind of come back and we take that energy and share it through this unconditional love that Pisces ultimately is going to crown us with. And, and how we actually do that in a responsible way right? while still not impeding on people's growth. You know, because Pisces, we give unconditional love, but we still don't do the work for others. It's like the idea of the cocoon. You know, like you and I could be walking through the forest and I'm like, oh, dude, check this out. It's a cocoon. And I run over there and I'm like, I bet there's a butterfly in here. And I crack it open and it's just goo because it hasn't gone through the complete transmutation process. So even understanding, you know, intuitively how to assist people on that growth is what we kind of learned here without being too impeding on it. Um, And, you know, not allowing the strength to actually be created by that sovereign individual. I like the way you said the, um, 
to, to relate to that about being the gray, because, you know, back to what you said regarding spirituality, there is a process that I think, you know, that is all roses and rainbows where you're ready to take on the understanding of the metaphysical, um, you know, plane or understanding, um, you know, how to raise your vibration. But one of the things that, you know, for me, I've learned is being at peace with, and, and this is something that is also in the in the myth of Hercules, which is the lower self desires not being severed. You know, mm -hmm. you're just you're going to find a compartment or a way to place them into your pocket and take them with you. It's not something that I think people really consider when they're on a spiritual journey is that they think they're going to sever all these lower um, desires or at least the 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 negative sides of themselves. And that's not the case here. The mm -hmm. case is to have a, an understanding of them and also peace with them and also figure out how they can aid you, but not necessarily eradicate them completely. Mm -hmm. And I know that people suffer with that. I mean, I've definitely had my experiences where you think you're evolving uh, or you believe you're evolving and you feel it, you know, you feel more compassion and more love towards others, but it's not so much that your spirituality has allowed you to have an open mind towards people who are still sort of living in those lower desires. It's more that you know what they are and then it's something that they're going to have to make peace also with mm -hmm. themselves. And so you just sort of don't focus so much on that. You know, you don't mm -hmm. tell them that they, that they need to get rid of them. You just sort of give them the space to, you know, go through the process that you're talking about within mm -hmm. the cocoon. And I think that that's what makes things very, um, unique for each individual. And I think a Pisces, or at least in this sign of Pisces, having that understanding is what's going to help the others on this path is that you, you knowing a little bit about all of them will give you the ability to make room and make space for that growth rather than just, you know, going head on and saying like, Hey, this is what you are. It's like, no, mm -hmm. all these attributes that we all carry, um, have their own process and in, in regards to growth, but you as a as a Pisces or, or the observer after pa passing through this entire wheel should just kind of sit back, kind of like we said again, which I love about the Last Supper is sort of saying like, didn't you see like the whole time it's always been here? You know, mm -hmm. you can go through that wheel as many times as you want, but if you don't make peace with this and sort of understand what this process looks like, you'll just keep going through these mm -hmm. labors. So, mm -hmm. yeah. it's the It becomes a carousel. Right. Right, you know, and it's the carnal carnival that we find ourselves in you know and so it's and it really is true because in pisces we approach ideas as unconditional love mm -hmm. you know loving without expectation right is a very difficult thing to do because you know even as when i was a school teacher that was a very difficult thing like not setting up expectations that you know, like, well, was this my expectation for the spiritual growth of this individual or the soul's growth of this individual? Or is it like their expectation? Like, are they in alignment with oh. this? You know? And so even when it kind of comes to like how we nurture growth in people, mm -hmm. there's this aspect of like, you know, you don't know that individual's path, but you can assist them with love, unconditional love helping them see objective truth and supporting their spiritual sovereignty. And those are the three big pillars that we learn in Pisces. And it's something that we really need to obtain because, you know, my path is different than your path. Right. You know, your path is different than my path. And so I can't 
come here and be like, this is what you have to do exactly. But I can fan the flame of introspection. I can fan the flame of self-love for you. And you can do the same for me. But in regards to where our spiritual feet are taking us with Pisces, well, that's that's between God and me. You right. know what I mean? That's between you and God. I have no say on that. Mm-hmm. And and honoring that is also something that we do in Pisces. We learned how to do it in Aquarius and it and it really gets solidified to not only honor our own path, that that stays between God and I, well, that's between God and them, you know? And there's a connection between all of us when we allow that that natural organic unfoldment to blossom. And, and that's what Pisces is kind of looking at, you know? And at the same time, you know, it's, it's this beautiful story that's kind of like unfolds in front of us, right? you know? And one of the things that was just a pattern, because this is archetypal patterns that we're talking about with the 12th sign, is I think it's really great how the, the council, the presiding one, the teacher and the hero are completely unified at this yes. point. Who was your guru? He's looking right in the mirror at right. you. You know what I mean? You are your own guru. And that's kind of what Pisces is. It's it's like almost like you looking in the mirror and just be like, oh, I am. Like, you know, the Christ doesn't live outside of me. The Christ isn't just in the Bible. The Christ wasn't just somebody born in Bethlehem. It It was born within me. And I am the vehicle of it. I am right. the vessel. I am the golden chalice. And that's what we're really going to kind of see is that, oh, you know, I am the womb of Christ and it's within me. And that's what we're going to nurture, protect, and then ultimately share with others. And that's what Pisces is all about. That's why the prophet of the age of Pisces was Jesus. And we always see Jesus with that illuminated heart because not only did he find his own internal enlightenment, but he took that internal alignment and pushed it out and shared it with the world. Mm-hmm. And that's why you always see, like we spoke about before, in like seven-day candles in Catholicism, if you ever look at Jesus's or Mary's heart, it's always like 3D. It's coming at you mm-hmm. because Jesus was very charitable. You know, even, you know, even with like exoteric Christianity, although they might le- read the Bible in a linear way. And they might have, you know, beliefs that are constricting to the evolution of consciousness. They are usually very charitable organizations. They're very giving, right? You know, and that was something that was coming through this was, you know, you have to come back in and give your energy. It's not just being on this. This process is not just escaping this. Like, yeah, you escape the attachment to the form. You, uh, you escape the identification with the cube. But you that doesn't mean that we can just like go live somewhere and try to see this whole process of like, I just need to escape the body. Once you escape the cube, you come back and you show other people the way out of the cube. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the collective, right. you know, and it's all about the I, which we all have, which is that spiritual center. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really unique... Um, telling of this story. And again, there's a lot of different variations of the 12th labor of Hercules. Um, But I I like how it goes back to investigate other things that we've seen, you know, like even with the, the things it's opposed with that it's challenged. Well, these weren't the first times we were challenged with some of these things, you know, like the mental, 
the physical and the emotional body. Well, now we're doing it on the collective. You know, what happens when you start to heal yourself? You start healing the group. And this is what the latter parts of alchemy were very much looking for. The first four parts of alchemy, the first four steps of alchemy, is more of the incorporation of the personal shadow. And the latter steps of alchemy are more of the healing and the incorporation of the collective shadow. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when we really start to connect with the universal father and the universal mother. And we start to understand these bigger archetypal patterns that are operating always behind the scenes and we're just seeing the reactions of. So again, we're, we're getting to the roots. We're getting to the, to the true seed of the matter of what is going to help, you know, relinquish some of the suffering that we experience in this human consciousness. Yeah. Well said, man. You know, the, the thing I take away from most of um, not only this breakdown and the understanding of what looking at that seed actually represents is that, one of the things I think a lot of people get wrong in regards to say, we'll use Jesus for the sake of Pisces is that his spiritual um, empathy for, you know, the wretched and for the downtrodden wasn't so much that it laid in his forgiveness for those people. It's his understanding of where it stems from and saying they're on their process as well, because you hear this in the exoteric about how he, you know, forgives and, and says, you know, forgive them for it. They not know, you know, where they're coming from and what, what, and you think, oh my gosh, this is a man who had not only unconditional love and wisdom, but this compassion for people who wanted to wish death upon him. And it's not so much now that he just was so, so peaceful or such a sage that he sort of could pardon these people. It's that he had that, that understanding ultimately of, they're on their journey and this is the process that they're in right now. Like if there's a way to look at it in a linear perspective or, or point of view, this is where they're out, they are. And therefore I'm a, I can forgive them. I can um, let them pass because they, they're, if they don't get it now, they'll get it later. And so I'm not going to worry so much about hating on those people because you, you've always found a lot of followers of Christ who, you know, understand more or less what the, the goals are for humanity and, and what the savior wanted for humanity's uh, ability to raise themselves to the heavens. But there's also this sort of other side to it, right? Which is like, if you're not on my side, then I wish death upon you. And if you're not on my side, then you're on the wrong side. And Christ never even speaks of that. You mm -hmm. know, he never says that he never says, Hey, if they don't, don't agree with us, the collective in the spiritual path, then they are, you know, they, they will be, you know, condemned to hell. It's like, there's not really a lot of that, even though it's been rewritten several times in the Bible and people interpret things differently about, you know, what side is the right side. But I think this is the ultimate, you know, uh, lesson that I like of, of Hercules in his journey is that he's seen this full, um, the, the, the wheel in its totality, but also the ability to, um, you know, go from here into the cosmos, as it's said, you know, it's like, this is, you, you had to get to this point to then see the, the more broad and more cosmic perspective of all of our souls and what they connect to uh, in this universe. And I think that's what Christ already had the ability to do. Only he brought it all the way back to this, you know, realm of flesh and people, I don't think had the ability even, you know, 
fathom what that really meant. They're like, oh, it's it's very simple, right? I just got to be kind. I just got to be loving. And then mm -hmm. I'll just ascend to the heavens. And he never says yes or no to that. But I think the lesson is you're here to see it all so that when you do see, um, you know, the roots of what it all stems from, then the real work can start. And that's what Hercules has done. You know, mm -hmm. you, you hear towards the end, and I'll use that quote again. I don't want to skip all the way to the end, but it says, the human labors ended, your cosmic task began. From out of the council chamber came a voice that said, well done, O son of God. And so, um, yeah, just powerful, man, to be able to see that and to understand that um, through the labors, um, not just through the idea of Christ um, on his journey. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think it's, again, this is why it's so important to study the words of all the prophets mm -hmm, rather mm -hmm. than the organizations that were formed after them. Because, you know, we've, we've done a lot speaking about the separation between exoteric spirituality and esoteric spirituality. And we've defined it earlier as the exoteric is the outer teachings and esoteric is the inner teachings. But another way to think about exoteric and esoteric is the exoteric separates, the esoteric unifies. Mm. And that's ultimately what religion is. Religion, when you break it down into its Latin roots, religare is to pull back, and it's to pull back and pull you back to the source, pull you back to the spark of why you are here. Well, we've seen religion used a different kind of way. The right. pullback, it's to actually pull back on your spiritual progress. Um, and that's what we get with exoteric religions. It separates. It's my God versus your God, where true Gnostic Christians knew it was just one God. You know, the Sufi poets, Rumi, when he was talking about my beloved, he wasn't just talking about Muhammad. He was talking about the source of all life, right. you know, the Jewish mystics. All of these individuals understood that there was one power, there was one universal life force energy, one original generator, and everything else is just an emanation from that, us included. Right. And that's where this, this process of Hercules really starting to see this, and he sees the God in others. You know, so even for individuals that are, you know, down and broken, you can see goodness in them. You know, there's goodness in everybody. And, and that's what this process is, that eternal light that we see in Pisces of like, oh, it's all within. Well, it's it's the same thing with some of the most tyrannical, terrible individuals that have been in this experience. There There was goodness inside, but it got buried. It got buried with indoctrination it got buried with the attachment to the cube, you know, right. and they became robotic and they, and they lost that, that connection. And so, you know, it's this, this interesting story as we kind of make our way as, you know, as Hercules kind of, um, you know, explores this journey. And one of the big things that I, I love in this is he, he has a stage in the beginning before he starts his journey where he does seven days of meditation. Yeah, he prays. He prays. And this is very important because Pisces represents the magical realm of life. Pisces represents that space of meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, because again, if Cancer, the first sign of water, breathing in is life. And so when we breathe in, we're being born anew. And then Scorpio, 
the breathing out, which is death. Well, Pisces is the space in between breaths. Well, that's actually when you're alive. You're not going through a process of rebirth or death. And so it's in the space in between breaths that you can actually just be. And in that contemplation, in that space, we can really connect to the beloved that's with inside. And that's actually where we can find peace and connect to that universal life force. Mm -hmm. And this is why the process of meditation, whatever your relationship with it is so important. And it doesn't mean that you know, your meditation is going to be personal, just like your nutrition, just like how you define what the universal life force is. That's, you're allowed to kind of have your own personal relationship with it, but we do need to find some sort of meditation practice. You know, some people can sit and be quiet on a pillow, you know, and sit straight up. Some people do it lying down. Some people go for long car rides. Some people do it through walks. It can come through so many different ways, but connecting to that space in between breaths is so important to have a personal relationship with that force mm-hmm. and and feel it emanating within us. And one of the things we're gonna kind of see with Pisces here is is this Helios connection is the idea of taking that insight, taking that connection with the universal life force beyond the space of just meditation. You know, it's really easy to have spiritual connection when you're in that Shavasana of yoga, when it's all done. Super easy to be spiritual, super easy, you know, after reading like Manly P. Hall, to have these understanding of these higher principles, right? Or reading the Bible or, or something like that, or in any ancient religious text. Very easy to be in a space of spiritual awareness and spiritual sight. But what happens when you get out of the mat, off the mat? What happens when you go and you get in your car and you're sitting in traffic? What happens when you're, you know, dealing with maybe a difficult person at the grocery store? Do you still see through that eye? Do you right. still see through that spiritual sight? And and that's something that that golden chalice is going to, and that golden ring is going to serve him as, as keeping that spiritual sight during the storm. How do you keep that spiritual awareness and that spiritual protection as you meet the waves of life? Because, you know, whether you're the greatest manifester in the world there is still going to be unexpected things that happen in your life. And some people have a capacity to manifest easier than others, but either way, it's there's going to be a counteraction to everything. And there's going to be, you're not the only individual manifesting here. Mm-hmm. There's other people who have intentions, and there's also, you know, the the collective intentions and the evolution of consciousness that's operating. And so it's not just you, it's this personal interplay between the micro and the macro. Well, how do you respond to the macro raves? Mm-hmm. And that's what that golden chalice is going to be. It's that protection to be able to survive the waves because one thing we definitely know is the waves keep coming. This process never gets over. If anything, it gets almost more challenging and we're faced with bigger obstacles that we have to overcome as we do through the process of spiritual maturation. It, It never just gets easy. You know, the Zen Buddhists, everybody's just like, oh, I want to get to that pace where it's so peaceful. No, they've obtained that peacefulness. They're still feeling 
the traumas of this five sense reality, they just have created this orb of protection to not allow them to sink into that beastal counterpart and they stay elevated. They stay in this Christ consciousness. And that's truly what is the savior of the world is, you know, maintaining that Christ consciousness beyond just being in temple or in prayer. And how do you, like, how do you operate being in prayer 24 seven? Yeah. I think uh, one thing I've, you know, learned from again in the labors and, and through the process of everything you just spoke about is making peace with not only that which you can't control, but also making peace with the disappointment that will continuously come. Because I personally have always felt that any time a challenge that I've had to face comes once, twice, or three times, by the fourth time, you're a master of rebuilding. And there's a peace within you, not necessarily an anger anymore, of having to start over from from the beginning. Every time it happens, you have a little more knowledge from the last time it happened. So therefore you walk through it with more peace and less anger. And I think that if you go unscathed or if you, if you don't have these mistakes happen to you, when it does happen to you, it's it can really set you back because you think, how has my God betrayed me? How have I been betrayed for everything I've done uh, so well up until now? And now you take down my house you know, I have to start all over again. I think as as long as it happens once, twice, or more, every time you will build your foundation all over again, a little stronger and a little better, um, and with less of a surprise if it happens again and again, you know, and I think that that's something Hercules showed really well um, up until this point is that, you know, expect the unexpected, but also, you know, feel that this is for the better of not just yourself, but the people around you and the humanity that you're supposed to, you know, lead in this, in this Christ consciousness or in this higher level of consciousness. It's that, you know, the suffering that you've occurred that has occurred within you is something that's going to allow you to help and aid those in current suffering or be there when their suffering is at its most difficult and I think Pisces can do that very well where, you know, they're there for, to, to, to not only help others, you know, I, I was listening to this other podcast in regards to Pisces and Pisces energy and the individual speaking was saying one thing that's very exhausting is that a Pisces can take on everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, um, misfortune and it's, and it's easy for them to be around a Pisces because then they go, hey, I feel much better whenever I'm around you. It's like, well, yeah, you just emotionally dumped everything onto sure. me and I just absorbed it through this, you know, mutable water sign. But you having an understanding of how to not take it on and make peace with it will be, you know, something that you'll have to master one day. And I think that's what he's done very well. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, and moving from that self-pity to compassion and self-understanding. Um, and in Pisces, we, we meet a new realm and in Pisces, this is the, this is the state of where practitioners of magic work, you know, and there's different laws and operations Mm -hmm. that are contained within that of how do you not only open the magical circle, but how do you close the magical circle? And that's something that almost like a Pisces needs to learn. It needs to learn to 
cleanse itself. It needs to learn to, you know, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing that it can be so sensitive to the collective energies. In but the universe gives you that special quality with the desire that you learn the responsibility with comes with that sensitivity. Okay. And that's the idea that you don't have to carry this energy, but you have to learn how to cleanse yourself. You have to learn how to remove that energy because, you know, and you have to go through unique kind of spiritual practices to do that. Pisces, if they go out into the world, they need to have some sort of ritual when they get home to clear off their energy. And it could be something as simple as like a brush by the door that they just like brush off their hands or maybe even like an unlit sage stick, right? Mm. But you don't want to carry that energy into the house because your loved ones don't deserve that energy. You don't deserve to carry that energy. You definitely don't want to take it into your bed because Pisces is the dreamer. Well, you want to be kind of collecting with your own personal spiritual growth through dreaming. You don't want to be just tapping into collective dreams because it's hard for a Pisces to kind of look at where do I start and where do I end and where do they end and where do they begin? Because it's, it's the sign of blending and they blend into everything. Now that is one of the most amazing things that you can do. This is why individuals with strong Pisces energy are the ones that have a high capacity for intuition, psychic abilities, creativity. Um, they're brilliant. But the problem is, is they have to learn how to focus that energy because they're so brilliant. And so, you know, to be, um, to be that um, broken record, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, yeah. Well, Pisces has that great responsibility because they have the ultimate power of being connected to the collective in such an intimate way. And it is a struggle for Pisces just to find their own personal identity. You know, it's good for a Pisces to look in the mirror and have to say, I am, you know, and and to understand the ebbs and the flows. I think the the, the one of the best things for a Pisces to study is actually Taoism. Taoism will give a Pisces such a better understanding because, you know, like we're in this room right now, right? And we see the walls of this room. And so we see the form and we see the structure which allows this room to, to exist. But it's not the walls that make this room special. It's the, it's the invisible space in between. You know, so it's the understanding of how the invisible works, because it's not the walls that contain these conversations. It's not the walls that, you know, carry the love of the kitchen table for the family to come together. Mm -hmm. It's the space in between where that happens. It's the invisible. And Pisces sees the significance of the invisible. You know, we we think about these these structures in our life. Well, it it. The life happens in the space between. The the life happens in between the lines. The mm-hmm. line the life happens in the spaces. And we don't think about that very often. And so, you know, just like in Taoism, we have this conversation that, you know, even when that was being constructed as a philosophy, you know, the the individual that created it was like, I'm doing a disservice by even writing this because mm-hmm. it can't be explained. Interesting. 
you know, and it's true. And that's why that is such a, a great study. And, you know, it's something that we're going to really look for in the the fourth season is, is a deeper connection into Taoism. And Taoism is the study of Pisces. You know, Pisces, you learn more about Pisces by studying subjects outside of Pisces. You can't directly find Pisces. Like Scorpio, you start getting in there and you start learning about the esoteric and symbols and you can go down that rabbit hole. Pisces isn't a direct, it's not a direct learning study. You know, you can you can kind of directly understand Aries by studying it. You you have to circumvent. You have to go in circles around Pisces because Pisces is the circle. Um, you know, the studying of the yin yang will give you a much better understanding of Pisces better than any any astrological book on Pisces. Because a lot of times you read stuff, you'll read an astrological book about Pisces and the person did a great, brilliant job of explaining it, but you'll walk away and be like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, because you can't, you can't even directly touch it. Like, I mean, just for the fact that like, we haven't even, look at how we've even approached this labor. Yeah. We haven't touched this labor like we've done the other labors. No, no we go circles around it because it, it that's what the, it teaches you you know, round and round, you know, up and down. It's it's this process of that we have to kind of go through. We can't just be direct with it because it's all encompassing, you know? And as we try to collapse Pisces into words, Pisces dissolves. Right. And that's what it represents. It's the water that dissolves everything. You know, even when I started doing natal charts, the process, why I hesitated at first was because I'm like, I don't know how to explain the 12th house. Yeah. Um, or like, I don't have a lot of words for Pisces. So what I did is I went and I literally formulated a whole list of ways to explain Pisces. Truly, that list has dissolved. Mm. Like either the word loses its significance or like the true paper that it was written on disappears because you can't contain it. And it was part of the lesson of Pisces. Pisces like, you can't contain me in words. You can't contain me in any kind of form. I am right. the structure and I'm the space in between. And that's what we really kind of learn with. And that's what we kind of get connected with as we, as we kind of approach this, you know, this, this deeper pattern, um, almost a karmic pattern that is, is presented in this, in this process. Well, that's great, man. That's news to me to talk about this with season four. I'm excited for that because, uh, and what I mean by news for me is that we will be talking about Taoism, but, you know, to incorporate uh, Pisces, I like how you said it is the circle. So we dance around the circle and that's very wise, my friend, just because it's true. I mean, whether it's even exp explaining Christ, you know, or Vishnu or explaining like, you know, what, what this really represents becomes this arduous task where you might find yourself coming back and saying, wait, did I explain that right? And then, you you know, you try to explain to a child why Christ was important. But if you really take a deep dive into that and, you, you know, from just like a surface area of he was a good man who, you know, people were trying to, you know, follow uh, his lead, you still might be playing uh, with the definition in your mind for quite some time after going like, next time I see that child, I'm going to tell him, no, but there was also, I feel like you never really finish. And I think that's a great power that Christ or the idea of many of these, um, whether it's a religious organization or a spiritual path that you take, some of them, like you said, in Taoism is being a disservice to explain it. That's the whole, uh, not gimmick, but the whole, um, power that it holds of just, uh, 
it's always going to be pondering in your mind, which is going to allow you to continuously evolve. Because if you were to figure it out all at once, well, then your journey must have already ended. And what else are you here to do? And I think that there's not a, a need to finish the work. I think the work is ongoing for eternity. And I think that these, you know, individuals who, you know, carried this knowledge knew that and left you sort of wondering how to continuously evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're ready or not, you'll do that when your time is right. And I think that that's what's really important. And man, I am excited for season four, not to conclude that, but I did like that you just said that we have danced or danced around this labor. And I think that's, it brings me a lot of peace just because when I was thinking about every, every day that we, we were considering, when are we going to get together and do this episode? I did feel not empty handed, but I felt like, well, there's so many ways that I can go about this. Do I ask questions? But once again, when I sit with you, the greatest honor, uh, aside from this being something we do for many listeners out there is just being able to have that confirmation with you of, Hey, is, is there a right way? And what is the way? And I think that's a question that, you know, we'll always ask for eternity if we really are hungry and curious for the evolution of not just ourselves, but for humanity as a whole is, you know, is the work done? The work is not done. And I think that that's what I kind of gathered from this labor. Um, now, of course, there are some very to the point situations that occur with with Hercules in this labor. But I think you've said this before, and there's something that made me think of you, and I wanted to say this really quick is, you know, when he when he slays or understands the 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 human monster or, you know, the, the three men that are united, you know, um, the physical and the emotional and the, um, mental, the mental. Thank you. We've talked about that multiple times here through this, through this series in the podcast, whether it's season two or three or, you know, the one that's to come. And that's something that really stuck out to me with the, um, what the final labor of Hercules is understanding what that those, those three individuals represent and how to uh, incorporate all three, um, you know, b- before you just, you know, kill the three bodied men, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and with that circle, you know, Pisces is a space too that like the universe brings back lessons to be like, Oh, you know, how how strong are you with this with this declaration that you made? Right, you know, because it's like one of those things where I'll go through like a space and I'll just be like, no, you know, I, maybe I'm like good with romance. Like I just need to focus on myself, and maybe this is like an independent journey I have. And then I like walk through the grocery store and I just like fall in love with the person at the bakery, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like my heart hits and again. It's just like you weren't done with love, you silly little man. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Like it comes back around, and you're totally. like, oh, like be careful of like the statements you make because like, you know, you don't know what's coming and there's these things that happen. And, and that's this like unique kind of process of like, even that idea of redancing with the physical, mental and the emotional bodies. Right. Um, And so it's so funny that that was a challenge for us this time because we're like, Oh no, we're in Pisces, but it's funny because like, you know, Pisces ebbs and flows as well. Um, and it's sometimes you got it and sometimes you don't, but it's just interesting, you know, jealousy, um, negative self-thinking, depression, 
these things are going to come back around. Like, yeah, you transcend them, but the universe is going to bring it back around of right. like, well, I got an opportunity for you to beat the shit out of yourself again. Are you going to do it? Yeah. And that's when you have to like rise above it and be like, no, I've got this protection of this golden chalice. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to entertain that wave anymore. Right. And I'm just going to let that surrender and fall to the ground. And so it's it's a really important space to know that like, everything's going to kind of come back around, you know, that lower ego that we've discarded is, is like yearning for life again. It's yearning for its host that it was so comfortable in for like 24, 25 years. And so now it's just like, how do I gain recontrol? So mm. we'll re-pull those things back. And this is where we really spiritually kind of set ourselves and be like, no, I'm, I'm a new, I'm in the womb to be born again. Right. And my journey is to transcend all of those. And I have other things that I need to encounter. And there's other healing that needs to do, be done, not only in, just in, in regards to my own self, but the collective. Because what we learn with Pisces is, if there's one person suffering in this world, we're all suffering, we're all connected. You know, we, we do have a responsibility to alleviate the suffering of all human consciousness, but it starts with us. You can't save the world without, you know, going in and saving yourself first. And then you start from there and you move slowly. You you go and you save yourself and then you can influence the family, right. the community, and you make your way out. But it's got to work that way. You know, we've seen, you know, individuals with great intentions become tyrants because they didn't, you know, conquer their own internal demons and transmute those demons into expressions of an angel, which we all have to do with that incorporation process. And so, um, fascinating story with Pisces, my friend. It is. It is. Now, a, lot of, a lot of lessons that we had to learn uh, throughout the process. And I know same thing with, of course, our, our savior here, Hercules. And, you know, there's so much that we've already talked about and, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind knowing that we, we were able to get to this point of having not only a great understanding of the challenges that will continuously come and find out whether we are ready for them to be met or will we fight them off um, and start all over from the beginning. This, this story has helped me greatly just because I'm a visual learner. And I think what Alice Bailey has done and the rest of the individuals who put this book together and highly recommend, you know, reading the labors of Hercules by Alice Bailey um, have done a wonderful job at sort of, you know, presenting that, you know, to us, uh, you know, the, the thing that always keeps coming to mind for me is it's very easy to train your physical body to swim upstream when the current is taking you in a direction you don't want to go in and also wanting to help a person drowning in that stream being pulled to their ultimate death, you know, jumping in the water and trying to pull them out. But really, the lessons come from you having the ability to tell that person while they're drowning or while they're suffering to just let go, let the stream take you where it was meant to go because you already let go. And once you're able to do that, you can tell others that it's not so bad once you let go. And it's easy for us to want to swim as hard as we can with our physical body um, away from this you know, ultimate death or danger that lies at the very bottom or on the other side of wherever this stream might take you. And we see this um, throughout the entire story of Hercules. You know, He has the physical strength to swim upstream, but what is he doing and why is he not letting go? And when he starts to let go, you start to see this evolution in this beautiful individual, which is us, you know? Um, so 
Yeah, man. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, it's kind of like as a, when you go to um, like a, a water park, if anybody's ever been able to experience it. Like as a child, you really love the wave pool. Mm-hmm. But then as an adult, you're like, nah, the lazy river is where it's at. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like you're like, nah, this is chill. That's um, so true though. But it's kind of like that process. Like, yeah, it's like fun to fight the wave. And you're supposed to, as a young kid, face those waves right. and and feel the crashing of those waves against us in life. And that's why we were, you know, skateboarding, punk rock music, yeah. you know, um, doing all those things that we did as a child. And then as, as you get into an adult, you're just like, rather than just like going head first against these things, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. And yeah. then you're just, it's just like this kind of chill thing. And I mean, totally. of course, you know, there's better natural ways to do that. I would rather say the ocean over a river because of like, course. There's not a bunch of people peeing in it and stuff like that. But like, yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting kind of analogy of of what we learn through the process of maturity. Yeah, well said, man. Well, I'm excited to to break down part two. Um, I know we, we brought up a lot of Pisces in this episode, but part two, you know, I'll have a little more of a discussion about um, where the final... Um, where our thoughts are on, on the final uh, uh, season of season three, which is, you know, happening now and where we're going to go with season four, which I'm really excited for just because we're going to take a small break to sort of put that all together. Um, and, and you know, not only visit some new topics, but maybe re- revisit some topics that we mentioned in season two that we would uh, bring up. And I think now is the time to to do that. And so, very exciting, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and I think there's a lot of rehashing because of just like when we kind of saw that breakdown of Pinocchio, of how that went so many so much deeper and than other movies that we were able to, well, it's because this common language has been formed. And so we right. can go deeper into these these subjects and these topics that we have explored. So it allows for us to have deeper conversations. And so, you know, I think season four is also going to contain bringing back alchemical conversations about the alchemical process. And I think it would be a great way to even go back to like the seven hermetic principles and relook at those with a new lens and a new sight and see the deeper information we can kind of extrapolate out of those texts and those fundamental foundations of this thing that we call consciousness. (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Um, well, great. So what I'll do is um, sign off now and, you know, prepare for, you know, the ending of season three, which, you know, again, I'm so excited for season four. So um, thank you again to all the Patreon members and all the members uh, all together on our website and all those who listen and leave constructive comments. You know, it's because of you that we'll be making not only a solid season four, but also you know, answering a lot of the questions that have been brought up in the last couple seasons about when will we revisit some topics and when will we clarify something we might have mentioned. And so we really appreciate that because, you know, through you and through our conversations, we're all just learning a little bit more. And if maybe you're an expert on this, maybe you're new to this, you know, we welcome you with open arms because, you know, these conversations would happen uh, no matter what between my friend Daniel here um, and I even if we didn't have this podcast. So it's an honor to be able to do this. So thank you. Almost definitely. Beautiful, my friend. Cool, man. Well, until next time. Until next time. Sweet.